0: The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the pirate nation. Welcome to the Pirate Radio Podcast, featuring special guests discussing a wide range of topics and personal stories. Now, inside the Pirate Radio studio, here's your host, Jonathan Ellerby. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pirate Radio Podcast. I've said it before that everyone has a story, but our guest today has over 48 years of football coaching stories. Coach Rick Smith is what I call a treasure to the Pirate Nation, not only because of his years of coaching the Pirates on the field, but also because of his most recent partnership with us at Pirate Radio, sharing his wealth of football knowledge and perspective. Today, I've asked Coach Smith to join me on the Pirate Radio podcast to talk recruiting. You've heard it before, recruiting is the lifeblood of any program. Well, who better to dive into the topic of recruiting with other than a coach that did it for close to 50 years? Sit back and relax, because Recruiting Stories with Coach Rick Smith starts right now on the Pirate Radio Podcast. All right, welcome in to another edition of the Pirate Radio Podcast, and a person and a voice that is going to be very familiar to you today is the one and only Coach Rick Smith. Welcome to the Pirate Radio Podcast. Thanks for taking some time with us today. You're welcome. Now, Coach, uh, we had lunch recently, and uh, you were telling me recruiting stories, and uh, I wanted to have an opportunity just to talk about college football recruiting with you because uh, basically this is going to be recruiting with Rick Smith. So uh, you've been a coach for 48 years in the business, high school, college, even even. Uh, NFL Europe. Yes. So, uh, I mean, there were not going to be any recruiting stories probably for NFL Europe, but maybe we'll get to an NFL Europe story at some point. But uh, the recruiting and college athletics is always known as the lifeblood of the program. And uh, it's it's just something you have to do. And it's, it's important. But uh, I wanted to get your perspective and stories and uh, thoughts on on the world of recruiting from when you started, I guess, because you, you've been at East Tennessee State, Georgia Tech, Alabama, Baylor, Kentucky, Tulane, Cincinnati, Louisiana Tech, South Florida, and, of course, East Carolina. Yeah. recruit when, when when someone just asks you, saying, hey, you were a college football coach and coached for over 48 years, What what do you love, what did you hate about recruiting? Well, back
1: before, you know, they – started all the rule changes to where at one time a college coach could leave his campus 365 days a year and recruit. He could go to a high school as many times as he wanted in one day or each week. And all that changed, uh, you know, back in the eighties to where, you know, you could only go to a home twice. Uh, You couldn't go off your campus to see a recruit except, you know, two weeks in December the month of January and three days in February, and then you could be on the road uh, six weeks. But each coach could only be out like seventeen or twenty days in uh, June. I'm sorry, May and the last two weeks of April. So the rules changed a lot, and basically, all you're supposed to offer that young man is a football scholarship, which is, you know, a place to stay. Three meals a day, seven days a week, all his tuition and
0: books. That's a scholarship. That was a scholarship. That That, was a
1: scholarship. And it's that way today.
0: Right. Well, they have the cost of attendance and a few other perks today. But uh, when you you reflect back on uh, your time as a college coach, was recruiting fun?
1: Yeah, it was fun. And it was also, uh, you know. So it was more fun than stressful. Yeah, I enjoyed, I have always enjoyed, you know, going into high schools and meeting coaches and building a relationship with them. Uh, you know, and every year recruiting's different because you're getting close, you'll get close to a different coach in your area because, you know, that he has a player that year. Uh, but usually uh, I would go to a high school, you could go to a high school one time in May, uh, you know, April and May—that six weeks period—and then they changed the rule to where you could go to that school two times in that six six weeks period, uh, and that was—I always thought that was that was a great rule change. And then starting the first uh, day in September, you could go to a school one time: September, October, November, and the first two weeks of December. You know, so like you could go out and recruit, leave your, leave practice after practice on Thursday, you know, drive to your area or fly to your area and you could recruit all day Friday. So,
0: so when you would go to these high schools, I mean, you would meet one on one with, with the players or you you would go watch practice. What, what, what would, what would you do?
1: Well, uh, like in the, in the springtime, you know, you would go to practice. You would get to the school.
0: If they had spring football, I guess.
1: Yeah, and well, even if they didn't have spring football, you would go to that school. Like, like when I was here, I had the Greensboro area. Mm-hmm. Well, let's say it's, it's, it's spring recruiting, and I go to Greensboro in May. Well, I go, let's say I go to uh, one of the high schools in Greensboro. Well, I get to the school. I go to the front office. I tell them who I am, usually show an I.D., they have you sign in. Did call. you
0: have an appointment or you just show up?
1: I would always call the coach and tell him, like, like say it's a Monday night. I would call Monday night. I would call the seven coaches that I was going to visit with, you know, the next day, and say I'll, I'm going to leave this school at nine o'clock. I should be at your place at nine fifteen. because I knew the okay. area real. So you know, I always let them know I was coming. Bef- before that, the first, uh, like the. The first two weeks of April, I sent every high school coach in my area a letter stating that I would be by their school this day or this day. I always gave them, you know, and I'll call you, you know, the morning before I'm at your school.
0: So springtime, you get to the school, you're at the front office, you've checked in, they know coach, and then then where do they they send you where?
1: Well, usually they will. uh, So it's during the school day. During the school day. uh, And you're here
0: to see player X.
1: Yeah, I'm here to see the first, you know, first time you go to a school, you might not know about player X. Right now. So you
0: just went to the school because you've heard they got several players or you're going for a specific player.
1: I had 50 schools in the state of North Carolina when I was here. Right. I went to every school in the spring. I was going to hit those 50 schools in my state every year. Was your goal to really just build a relationship with the high school coaches? Build a relationship with that coach and look at the, okay, coach, you got a ninth grader? Right. I start looking at a ninth grader, and then by the time he's a senior or, I went to every school, and that's one thing the coaches, the high school coaches always liked about me. I didn't come by just the year they had a player.
0: Okay. So, you, know. would, so you So if you had 50 schools, your goal was to, to be best buds with the high school coach, so he knows that ninth and tenth grader a couple years from, hey, coach. Yeah. We got one for you. you. You you want them to be talking to you as much as you're trying to right. talk to them. So I, is that the art of recruiting?
1: Part of it is relationship with the coach. Uh, you remember Linville Joseph?
0: Oh, uh, I've heard of yeah.
1: him. Yeah, NFLer. And I'm not bragging on myself. Yes, but the head coach there, he and I coached against each other when I was the head coach at Walkelah High School. He was the head coach at a school we played, and we got to be good friends. You know, as high school coaches. And when I came a, when I became a, you know, a college coach, no matter where I was at, I always had the Panhandle of Florida, and they always sent me to my home area to recruit. And even when I was at Baylor, I made a trip or two to, to the Panhandle of Florida, which was a waste of time because there was more kids in Texas. Right. But, uh, you know, he said I got a great player that everybody in the country is recruiting, named Lindell Joseph. Uh, I'm gonna do everything I can to help him you know go to your school because i trust you
0: and go to east carolina yeah
1: he said now there's florida yeah he said there's some guys that are recruiting him that i don't trust right uh i said well i know he's good enough i've offered him you know i visited with him every week on the phone i know mama uh and i visited with the kid you know everything was legal and uh coach called me his coach called me and said i think he's going to commit to the university of florida florida is Idaho. where he ended up committing to yes and
0: how many other offers did he have like 50 or 60 50 I and mean, he could have gone where i mean yeah pretty much he had his uh, choice
1: well anyway uh he didn't score as well as some people thought right academically and academically so some people dropped off of him mm-hmm. but i stayed on him
0: right That that didn't scare you off. It didn't
1: scare me off. I said, I don't care. You know, anyway. Right. Right. uh, I took him, and this was legal. Yes. When I was at the school visiting during a legal recruiting time. Yes. I basically took him by the hand, and I took him to every one of his teachers in that school. And we set up tutoring for that kid. He got tutoring after school. From almost every teacher he had, uh, and the, he popped the test, and he made a great score on the test, and some people had dropped him because of his first test score. Sure, but you know some kids have test anxiety.
0: Yeah, I mean, every, different people, really you know, smart people, can test really and, bad, and the second and, and vice versa. You know,
1: and the second test, now he blew it up. Right, I mean, so now. The testing agency is going to come in and find out if he really took the test.
0: Right, because they're suspicious, maybe.
1: And uh, I'll tell a story about testing here in a little while. But he passed the test. So, on Monday, after he got his test score back, his coach Price called me and said, Rick, you need to get down here this week. They're flying in him. They're flying in here five coaches a day are seeing this kid I all, said, of,
0: all of a sudden he was a supermodel yeah, again
1: i can remember coach saying Alabama was in trying to come in here at lsu he said and he said he's not talking to anybody but east carolina coach smith because you stayed with him when he had a bad test score
0: and and do you think he accredits that you went around and helped him talk to his teachers like yeah. hey look i mean because yeah. if you didn't get his academic straight yeah. the Linville joseph story may not yeah. be what it is today, yeah. I mean, longtime veteran in the NFL, Super Bowl champion. Yeah. And I'm not bragging
1: on myself, I'm just, I love...
0: But that's an opportunity, I, you turned, yeah. You took somebody...
1: I loved that, high school kids, I was a high school coach for 10 years, I love high school kids, and the kid just needed, he didn't have a father. Right. His mother worked two jobs to try to make ends meet, and he was a great kid, she was a great girl, his mother, uh, and I knew where his head coach wanted him to go, and... Uh,
0: do you think linville joseph was your biggest and best prize recruit you ever landed at any school you're at probably who was the biggest and best prize recruit that you did not get that you wanted that that if you could go back and be like if i could go back and get this one kid wherever i was who, who would who would you want to go back and get
1: i'm not gonna say his name right but he went to smu okay and i was at baylor
0: okay was he a part of the Pony Express? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you really wanted him instead of yeah. everybody else.
1: And I remember Coach Taft telling me, he said, Rick, unless you got $50,000, you're not going to get him because that's the bid right now. Right. So, I mean, Texas, now I'm telling you now, the recruiting in Texas was brutal. I meant
0: cars, houses. Uh, Is Texas the best place to recruit and also the hardest place to recruit, maybe? Yeah. One thing about
1: Texas, you know, at one time there were no recruiting rules, and and like Texas A and M could sign a hundred players if they wanted to,
0: you know. And then they started making rules; you can only sign. They could. They would sign. To, back in the day, you could have a hundred scholarship players. I mean, yeah. yeah. So that's when they when they went to the eighty five. I guess back scholarship in the, rules.
1: Back in the day, you could have unlimited scholarships. Right. Cause I can remember when in the '60s and '70s at FSU, Florida would sign fifty or sixty players just so FSU wouldn't get them.
0: Right, they were basically fielding two or three teams. Yeah, and that, I mean, wasn't like that was kind of like Bear Bryant's secret too. Didn't he sign a ton of players when he was at Alabama? And because yeah. and that's why he was kind of dominant. Because he, yeah,
1: you signed players to go to your school so they wouldn't go to Auburn if you were at Alabama, and if you were in Florida florida was signed players so they wouldn't go to miami and
0: fsu when you get back to the art of recruiting i guess you got to figure out what's. i mean obviously you know what school you're at but you also got to know what you're selling because each school has a different i mean you were at you know georgia tech but you're at alabama you're at baylor kentucky tulane cincinnati you know east carolina usf i mean obviously everybody has an opportunity to come play football and and that's the goal but what's what what is like what are like the top three things when you're when you're when you're selling a recruit of uh what you want to have in your chamber when you're going you know to high schools or talking to players
1: well each each young man's different so you have to kind of find out what each young man's looking for in a school you know the first thing is what do you want to major in son and if we don't have
0: that major do most of them say football though uh, I mean, do most of them, I mean, when you're talking, honestly, when you're talking yeah. to a, a 18, 17, 18 year old young man, and, he, and, and he, are you, how much academic talk is there or, or, truthfully on, on the table at first, you know? Uh, it depends on the young man and the parents, but right.
1: a lot of, some of them just flat football is all they cared about. Right.
0: But, and then you have to convince them about the academic right, side. And
1: I would tell them, well, son, first of all, if you don't make the academics and the test scores, you won't be at any school, so that's important. And then I would hope that you would go to a school that has the major that you're interested in. And I also understand that you're probably going to change your major once you get to a school on an average of two or three times you know, per student. Uh, so what do you want to do? You know, like a lot of kids will say, Coach, I'm not really interested in Georgia Tech because you're an engineering school cause that's all they knew about Georgia right. Tech. I said
0: well, son, That is the perception.
1: So, we have one of the best business schools in America at Georgia Tech. I said and there are there are other you can get a pre-med at Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of degrees at Georgia Tech that you don't know about. So, let me
0: when, you know, when when you're talking to recruits, what's the percentage you would you say no matter where you are of kids that have actually been to your campus? Uh, and not ever been to your campus. As you said, they maybe just heard of Georgia Tech, or maybe they've heard of East Carolina, maybe they've heard of, heard of Baylor, or, or they've seen them on TV. But what before you get them to campus for a visit, what do you, what do you think the percentage is of, 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 of players that have ever even been to Greenville, North Carolina, or to Waco, Texas? It
1: probably depends on the school and the location. Now, there are a lot of young men that I recruited from Greensboro, Greensboro, North Carolina. they never been on our campus,
0: right? But and had they been on any college campuses, really?
1: Some of them had, some of them hadn't. Uh, it all—it kind of depends on, you know, that young man's situation, where right. he's at, his his situations, what school he's in, uh, and you can you can be in Greensboro and hit. You know, in the city limits, there are five schools within five miles of each other. Sure, you know, uh,
0: is it is it harder to recruit uh, out of state students to come to a, another school in state? Like if you, I mean, like when you were at, you know, Georgia Tech or Alabama or Kentucky or wherever, trying to get kids from, you know, a, a border away, like a, a completely whole, or you know, is that is that really tough to get them? When to, I when,
1: when I was at Georgia Tech. Uh, twenty years. Well, maybe not. Probably ten or fifteen years before I got to Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech recruited Alabama extremely hard. And for fifteen to twenty years, there had not been a college coach from Georgia Tech in the state of Alabama because of a big argument that Bear Bryant had with with Bobby Dodd. And, and those two were friends at one time but something happened in recruiting to where they got in a shouting match and Georgia Tech did not recruit the state of Alabama for 10 or 15 years
0: just because they didn't want to bump heads with
1: just, their... just because of that relationship hmm. and Coach Curry said well Rick you're recruiting the panhandle far. I want you to recruit South Alabama and so I had Birmingham and everything South And I can remember showing up over there, and those coaches like, Georgia Tech coach in Alabama?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of like seeing a unicorn, I guess. Yeah, it
1: was. And uh, the first year I was there uh, recruiting Alabama, I got a couple of kids, but I lost them. To who? To Alabama. Uh, Do you feel Uh,
0: like that you were like, do you ever feel like when you're recruiting, and it's tough because even if you're in sales, that's you're 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 really just you know throwing some hail marys, really because yeah. you, you you just like working out or anything, you got to keep grinding, keep grinding, and and hopefully your your yeah. hard work will pay off. But at some point, I imagine recruiting can be defeating as well at times, as much as it can be when you're actually playing some of the games when you're playing against better competition.
1: Well, there was a, I did get, I forget, I got one kid, but I, he wasn't from Alabama. And and this is the reason I got hired at Alabama. Uh, I'm walking into a home of a pretty good uh, defensive end in Memphis, Tennessee. And I'm going in for my home visit. And Ray Perkins is leaving the home, so that was the first time I had met Ray Perkins.
0: And you were with who? I was with Georgia Tech. And Ray Perkins was without? The
1: head coach at Alabama.
0: Oh, uh, okay. And, well, anyway... The... Was that common for, like, you to be going in and then someone else to be coming out back in, I mean...
1: Uh It would happen several times a year, but not, not often.
0: Okay.
1: And uh, I was... I, I mean, I'm walking in up the driveway, and Ray Perkins is walking out. I knew who Ray Perkins was.
0: Yeah. Did he know who you were? or he? I mean, he knew he, that you were a coach. He
1: knew I was from Georgia Tech. Because you had the, the logo. Because I had the Georgia Tech shirt on. And so we introduced ourselves to each other and blah, blah, blah. And he left, and I go on in the house. Well, guess who the kid commits to that day? Me. Wow. He commits to Georgia Tech. Now so this... Rick
0: Smith was, what, what What were you coaching at Georgia Tech at the time? I was the secondary coach. You went in behind the Alabama coach. That was the head coach. Yeah. And got a player to commit. Yes. Do you remember any of this conversation or what you said? or How, how did you convince someone to go to Georgia Tech from, from Alabama that was in Memphis, Tennessee? This young man
1: was at an academic school. He had a 4-0. He wanted to be an engineer, so I had some things
0: going for me. So you had the academic in yes, your holster yes. of, of, of a bullet ready to go. right? And when Did I, you know that going in?
1: I knew what he wanted
0: to do, mm-hmm. and he was a
1: 4 student, and he was very intelligent. And I just kind of felt like that he was looking at things that was going to help him be a successful person in the future, and football was kind of going to help me get there. But I'm not going to be persuaded to go to a school because it's a football power, you know, that type of thing. And well, he committed to me that day. And uh, Were you expecting that? No, I was not expecting that. How happy were you?
0: I was very happy. Was there anybody coming in when you were walking out? Nope. Uh.
1: Uh, the head coach really uh, liked me there. And I had a thing going for me when I would go in and and, and I would always let the the high school coach know that hey i was one of you for 10 years you know i was an
0: assistant right so you you played that card (laughs) that
1: always helped and they said well how'd you where'd you start i said i started as a jv coach head jv coach at godby high school and there was only two coaches on that staff there was me and calvin miller who knew nothing about football and those that year that i was a jv coach at godby high school i learned more about coaching than anywhere I ever was because I coached all 22 positions.
0: Coach Rick Smith joined us here on the uh, Pirate Radio podcast today talking recruiting with Rick. And, uh, Rick, obviously relationships are important from what you said. If you had to rank them in order of what's – and this is going to be tough relationship, to have the best relationship either with the player, their parents, or their high school coach, who who do you think is – I mean, if you could pick which order – of, uh how, what would what's more important first of all the high school coach because you're not
1: gonna get close to the kid or the parents if the high school coach doesn't help you
0: right so you have to get he's the guy that's gonna get you your foot in the door yes and because he, he may not get your foot in the door but he could also keep you from getting in the door at all because he may say don't worry about them
1: he's gonna help me yeah he's he's gonna he's gonna help me but he's not gonna hurt me right you know and the schools I was uh, that I've coached at were all good schools to start with. Now there was like when I was at Georgia Tech, it was tough because we hadn't won in a few years. Right, <clears throat> and but it always it always helped. Like when I would go into a high school, I would not be in a hurry to leave that high school because I wanted to build a relationship with the high school coach. And I can remember a lot of high school coaches telling me, man, we just loved it when you come by because, you know, you spend time with us. You're not in a hurry. He said some of these, and this was as I got older. Right? He said some of these young guys come in here and they said, hey, coach, I'm so-and-so from so-and-so. You got any players? And I'd say no, they'd be out the door. They would leave. He said, not, not
0: even thinking about future crops or right. anything else he that's said, going on.
1: He said, Coach, you know, you come here and you sit down. You'll visit with us. Sometimes you'll eat lunch with us at the cafeteria. You've met the principal. I mean, I just, I knew that was going to be my school. Right. And I felt like, and I enjoyed it because I'd been a high school coach for mm-hmm. ten years. i I'd, I'd been that guy that right. was when, and I didn't like those recruiters that would come in and do me that way.
0: So you so you got to build the relationship with the high school coaches first, and then uh, is it the parents or the player you really want to go after next? The player, the player. Mm-hmm. And then uh, if if it's a if it's a if it's a player that has a mom and a dad. How do you do you you like how how do you do you play the mom or the dad or do you like how do you know? I mean, because sometimes family dynamics are different in every every home. Sometimes the mom is is the lead dog or makes the decisions or sometimes there's a a overzealous dad. That's a huge sports dad. And sometimes there's single family homes. So there's there's a lot of different ways to, to, to to how you how do you build the relationships and trust with the parents?
1: Well, you know, you only have you have that one visit. And what I would always do, the way I recruited, you got the two visits in the home. I would visit the young man. The first week on the road, I would visit with that young man at the high school and get to know him a little bit. Of course, I've been going by this school. You know, the legal times, you can go a year and seeing him and, you know, bumping into him. Excuse me. But I would try to get to the home you know, that second week in December, just before Christmas, and meet the parents. And then I didn't want to meet the parents again until the latter part of recruiting. Uh, Because, you know, you have to sit down with the parents early to kind of explain to them the things they want to know about your school and about your football program. And then I would go in late to try to finalize, you know. Like, I would go by the school say earlier in the day and then that night you know, i'd see mm-hmm. the kid by myself then i'd go see the parents again uh but i would see the parents usually twice i would try to get them to come to my campus you know for a ball game so i'd get to see them again
0: what's the most bizarre question a parents ever ask you
1: i was going to tell that story
0: let's let's get right into it what's okay the, the at, most bizarre question that uh, coach rick smith has been asked by a parent while recruiting i'm coaching
1: at baylor mm-hmm. and i had the houston area which was and this was back in the
0: cheating days right i mean this is when you had more than just academics to sell
1: yeah this is back when it's uh what kind of car am i getting how much cash am i getting for for i mean
0: how common i mean what if players were like i mean what where did you have to qualify of how good you were to to get like a car or get your parents a job or and this is a whole nother question we're trying to get to a the the, the point of where uh of the most bizarre question a parent has asked but maybe the next question we need to get into is is the craziest thing uh you've ever heard someone's been offered to to go play but finish your story with uh the,
1: well this, this kid was from conroe texas okay near houston i guess near houston and he's he's got 50 offers a and M, right? Texas, Texas A and M, Colorado, Baylor, everybody. SMU, and that was back when SMU, you know, Pony Express days. Yeah, back in those days, I just think, before they got hammered. Right. Uh, my, see, I was at Baylor when they got hammered, and football ended. Did that? Did
0: that send shockwaves through yes. the coaching industry? Yes. And people were, did it? Did it straighten people or scare people enough to be like, "Whoa, this is like." I'm in Some serious I'm, stuff.
1: I'm on the road recruiting when all that hit. Mm-hmm. I'm down in the Houston area, and Coach Taft called me and said, get to SMU's campus as soon as you can. They have uh, been put on probation. They're doing away with the football program, and you can go on that campus and recruit their players for your school
0: oh wow so that that was a different kind of recruiting yeah
1: there was only like 50 coaches there when i got there from 50 different schools <laughs> you pulled up it was like like a black friday at the oh, mall <laughs> it was it was unbelievable you know and you're you're making appointments to sit down and talk with this kid or that kid you right. know i mean it was yeah uh we got we got a db out of that i met with the db So you got one you out got one out of all, of all the that. smu players now, i wasn't the only baylor coach
0: there now all of us were right. there. So, so the guy called and said, send, send everybody. I mean, it's the whole staff. It's, I guess that that's what you call a full-blown
1: blitz. Everybody go. It was like the National Coaching Convention. <laughs> it was. It the was, unofficial National yeah, Coaching Convention. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and then they had to, the, uh, the, the the principal had to put a stop to it, you know. Oh, yeah. This only went on for like two days, and then they. The chancellor. Nobody could come on yeah. campus uh, for a few for a few days and it, they gave list out of all the players uh, their phone numbers and their home address and, right you know
0: so. alright back on subject here you're, you're in Houston now okay and uh, this is the most this kid was uh, a prize recruit he has 50 offers yeah and uh, I guess well, you talk to these parents
1: this is back when you could sign the kid yourself the day of national signing right and uh, I'm in the home Well, actually, it was the day before signing. I'm in the home talking with – I'd been in the home once before, and and he he was – it was just mama, him and mama. Right. And had a great relationship with mother, and the kid committed to us. And uh, when he was on campus for his official visit, I was in the meeting with his mom, Coach Taft, and myself. There's four guys people in the meeting there with the head coach and the kids and the kids said well you know i'm about my home's 200 miles from your campus and i don't have a vehicle and coach taft said well you know we can't get you a vehicle he said really and coach taft said yeah we can't buy you a vehicle and the kid kind of was confused. <laughs> I was sitting there thinking,
0: maybe because he hadn't heard that from somebody.
1: <clears throat> so, Coach Tass says, "No, we can get you a summer job. You know, and you can earn the money. Right? And we can, uh, you know, help you earn money to buy a car. Right? So, anyway, uh, the next week I'm down there again to see the kid, and as I, I get through with the kid. A&M comes in. Well, it just so happens that this is the first time I meet the dad. And guess who the dad walks in the house with?
0: The A&M coach? The A&M coach. The right.
1: A&M, he rode to the house with the A&M coach. Mm. And the uh, cash, you know, has been offered to the kid. Yes. And the dad's got his hand out. And so I said, well, I'm out of here. I don't do business like this. Right. That young man followed me to my car. He said, Coach Smith, I want to go to the Baylor. I want to go to Baylor. I want to be a doctor. I said, I knew I knew you wanted to be a doctor. He said, Y'all got a great medical school, mm-hmm. pre med. I want to go to Baylor. Will
0: you help me get a truck? <laughs> <laughs> he wants to be a doctor but he, he needs a pickup truck right now
1: i said son i will help you get a truck legally right i will i will set up a meeting with you and don buckaloo at buckaloo Chevrolet right here in conroe who is who is my personal car dealer that right. car i drive is from buckaloo Chevrolet. he said if you'll do that i'm committing to you today to come to Baylor
0: even though his dad and A&M are yeah. uh, they're in the they're in the building they're in out. his house talking
1: yeah. the kid says <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to Baylor wow. we, sh- we shook on it I said I'll call you sometime later today and tell you when your meeting is with, with Don Buckaloo Chevrolet mm-hmm. so to make a long story short you know he signs with us Re- reporting day you know this. Yeah, this was in May. Right. Well, he came to. You know, he 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 wanted to go to summer school. Oh, in the summer. Before. In the summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, he was
0: like a four O student. Right. Yeah. He he wants to be a <laughs> he wants to be a doctor. Yeah.
1: You know, and like we had only maybe five kids reporting early back then.
0: Yeah, that, that wasn't the norm.
1: You know, and we're all standing out front of the football office when the kids drive up you know well this kid gets out of a brand new Chevrolet truck <laughs> i mean it's brand new yes coach taff looked at me i looked at him you know the kid came on yeah. it so coach taff walked by me and said i need to see you in my office right now
0: yes i said okay
1: well he thought that i had something to do with the right the he car.
0: thought coach smith was working the deal so
1: I walk into Coach Taft's office, and uh, he said, how'd you get that truck? I said, Coach, he got that truck legally from Buckaloo Chevrolet. <laughs> he said, Don Buckaloo Chevrolet? I said, yes, sir. He's my car dealer. The Don Buckaloo Chevrolet? I said, yes, sir. He said, are you sure everything was up and up? No, sir. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so You just connected this young man with uh, Buckaloo.
1: I, I said, All I did was call Don Buckaloo and give him the kid's phone number, and they set up something.
0: I guess Buckaloo was a big Baylor fan.
1: He was a big-time Baylor fan. Right. And so I called Don. He said, Rick, I sold him that truck for cost. I got all the paperwork right here. If the the Southeastern Conference wants to come in here and investigate this deal, they will find out that we did absolutely nothing wrong. I said, also – Uh, You you might get a call from them, but now what about his job? You know, you you hired him for me, you know, for a summer job. I said, did he show up? Yes, Rick, he showed up. I said, what'd you pay him per hour? I said, I paid him $15 an hour. Which is a lot back then. I said, you paid him $15 an hour to wash cars? Yes. He said, yeah, and that's the going rate. I said, what do you mean going right? He said, that's what A&M pays
0: their kids to wash cars. (laughs) (laughs) So he was, uh, Mr. Buckaloo was uh, playing the game, I guess.
1: Yeah, he was a, Don Buckaloo was a great guy. Every time I went to Houston, if he found out that I was in Houston and I didn't come by and see
0: him. Did he always have jobs available for car washers? Yeah. He did? He did. How common was it in Texas or just wherever to have a bunch of Don Buckaloo's? It was very common.
1: Uh, Every school... Uh,
0: and how do you know that Don Buckaloos exists? Is that through like your booster club or the head coach that goes and like all of a sudden you you, you get a list or
1: well he was a Baylor graduate and he, he owned a huge Chevrolet car dealership in Conroe, Texas
0: right Well I mean it's one thing to be <clears throat> to be a graduate but it's another thing to be yeah. uh, be able to employ people I guess at, at will yeah. if that makes sense. But
1: what he did was pretty much legal right. Well, I say pretty much. As far as I know, right. the kid showed up to work. He got. Now, he
0: did get paid. Do you think he knew where the water hose was?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure what he paid for the vehicle.
0: Right. At I, cost, evidently. Yeah.
1: But knowing Don lot. I, like I remember uh, talking to Coach Taff about it. <clears throat> and Coach Taff said, well, as long as he. Bought the car and he paid for the car. Then we're okay, right? He said, "Let's just let's just drop it here." Right. <laughs> he said, "Don't call Buckaloo and ask him what the kid paid for the car. Mm. If there's an investigation, we'll find out at a later date." Yes. He didn't want to know.
0: He did. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of one of those things. Let us know. You you've been at so many schools. Uh, who, who was the best head coach you worked for? That was the best recruiter that that you that pretty much his his closing percentage was when he had his big board he he got pretty much what he wanted well you know uh, in our head coaches the best recruiters maybe that's a better question well to be to tell
1: grant taff was a special recruiter but you know I, i've i've sat down you know since i've been retired and thought about everywhere i was at and the people i worked for and every coach had their strengths, and every coach had some weaknesses. Sure, absolutely. You know, <clears throat> and I've tried to to say who was the best recruiter I ever worked for, mm-hmm. and you know some of that depends on the school. Sure, uh, Bill Curry was a great recruiter, but he he inherited a job. At Georgia Tech, that was in disarray following Pepper Rogers. We had no facilities, had not been winning. I mean, and it was just, oh, that was a tough job. You know, in the first year we were there, I think we won two, the second year three, and then we won nine, and then went to a bowl game, and it got better. Uh, you think about Grant Taff at Baylor. Our facilities weren't very good at Baylor compared to right. Texas and Texas A&M. He was a great recruiter. uh Skip Holtz. I guess if I had to say, Skip's got to be the best or as good
0: as He's, he had a good gift to gab. Oh. was was that was the silver tongue his uh, secret? Well, well,
1: he he didn't lie to kids, but he was just he was always energetic. He was uh, very truthful. But I don't know. He could just walk into a house and make everybody feel comfortable. And Grant Taff had that too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, <clears throat> now Ray Parkins, he
0: was a little different. He was he was not uh, <laughs> on 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 the recruiting scale uh, of up to par. If you had a dream team, if you if if they had look. I'm going on. I'm going on a mass recruiting visit, and I want it's me and, and two other guys. You want to grab with you right now to go to go. Whether it's rebuilding or you're just taking over a program that's average, who who would be uh, who would be somebody who would be like. You don't have to be head coaches. It could be some of the assistant coaches or somebody you work or or maybe someone that would that you worked against that you wish, man. I, if that guy had just been on our staff recruiting for us, we could have done this.
1: I honestly think that if I. If I had to choose two people to go into a home with me to recruit, I'm gonna take uh, Coach McNeil, Ruffin
0: McNeil, Ruffin McNeil, and Bill Curry. All right, why, 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 why those two? I, I think a lot of people will know Ruff, but go ahead and tell us why.
1: You know, and it's hard too because Grant Taft's in it right in there with those two. Mm-hmm. But you
0: got but, you got Bill and Ruffin on your side. Yeah. Why Ruff? Who are you gonna let talk first,
1: Ruff or Bill? Probably let Coach
0: Curry talk first. Okay. you talk about two opposites. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as just... I, I'm imagining he's bringing structure, discipline, and and like, here's our path of what we're going to do. And then Coach Ruff's going to hit him on the emotional side.
1: Yes, exactly. Coach Ruff's going to tell him how it is... How it is at that school as a player? How it is living in the dorm? How it is at practice, dining hall, social life? He's going to tell him. Now Bill's going to tell him, "Well, you're going to go to class at this time of day, and if you don't go to class, I'm going to punish you. You know, yes, you're going to do what you're supposed to do for four years. You're going to get a great degree. You're going to graduate, and you're going to make a million dollars in a year."
0: what do you yeah. think is one of the funniest or the greatest line you've ever heard uh somewhat that you've ever you've ever said to somebody for recruiting or that you've heard that uh man that was a good uh one-liner that was either funny it was a good close you know it, it, it got them it got my point across i mean what, what are some of the best one-liners or, or closing pitches or whatever to make a recruit you know come to your school
1: that's a tough question it is tough
0: um uh, I mean, all these, all the coaches and, and you guys, you guys all have your sayings, yeah. you know, and have, you know, I mean, I, I think of a dozen that uh, Skip Holtz used to say and Ruffin McNeil used to say all the time. I can only imagine what, what they're doing off mic, just sitting in a living room or sitting with a, with a young player and, and, and trying to like get them excited or get them to their, their, their eyes to like get wide and get excited about coming to play football at their school. Well, most most
1: coaches, you know, are going to tell the truth for one thing, and most co- the the good recruiters, once they get through talking, they're going to listen. And that was one of the things that 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 the high school coaches always said about me was that hey, you know, coach, you come in here and you listen, you know, you listen more than you talk. And he said some of these guys come in here and I can't get a word in Edgewise. Right, and I this one old. Uh, older coach over in the Greensboro, he said, "He said I told
0: one guy to leave <laughs> <laughs> just to get out, just to get him out of here." Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, that is a tough question. Uh,
0: we'll come back to it. You can think on a minute. But, but you, as you've been on your road of recruiting, wh- where do you think is the nicest, maybe home or place you've ever recruited, and maybe the not nicest place you've ever been to, where you're like, "Whoa, this is, uh, you know, not not a nice place to be." I recruited Memphis,
1: Tennessee. Mm-hmm.
0: And Memphis is known for Beale Street and the good parts, but there yeah. are some uh there's some tough parts in Memphis well, the, too. The, the s- crime's been high there.
1: The, the southwest part of uh Memphis, I can remember, I didn't know. Right. You know, I I was sent to Memphis to recruit when I was at Georgia Tech. And uh I always worked hard and I would try to go to every school in Memphis. So I'm in southwestern Memphis and I pull up to the school, you know, and there's a security guard lets me in the parking lot. He walks me up to the school and, uh, you know, there's, kind of like armed guards in the hallway right this is uh during what like the 80s maybe yeah this was the 80s this was probably 82 or 83 right and so i visit with the high school coach and you know i leave i go down to the to the parking lot well there's no police officer down there at the time you know he's i guess lunch or somewhere i get down there and all four of my tires are flat oh wow some kid took a knife i guess and
0: slashing tires back in the 80s was a now, big thing i kind of remember that
1: so i'm sitting there with my rent my avis rent a car with four flat tires
0: mm-hmm. no but, cell phone
1: no cell phone
0: right so obviously. I,
1: so now the policeman walks down there with me you know he walked mm-hmm. me in the school he also walked me back to my car and he just shook his head you know he said i can't really believe you even came here <laughs> so he's I blaming said, you i said i said what do you mean he said well recruiters quit coming here 10 years ago because of all the crime and murder and mm-hmm. he said we are shocked
0: <laughs> that, you're <here>. <laughs> <laughs> that you're here
1: i said well i just need to go back inside and call avis mm-hmm. so i went back in and called avis told him what happened so you know record comes and hauls that car off and i had to wait and i waited with him you know until avis brought me another car that was the last time i went to that school didn't go to southwest memphis no, I didn't go school there or
0: whatever anymore
1: didn't go there anymore uh i signed kids out of memphis though uh that one story i told earlier about ray perkins living yeah. you know that was in memphis i got that kid uh
0: what was your favorite place do you think uh that, that you had the, the most fun recruiting when you, you just remember man it was just this was this was this was an awesome experience the
1: you know, I'm from the South, right? And uh, when I went to Kentucky, they hired a recruiting coordinator that uh, he just recruited different than than I was used to. Uh, <laughs> I have a Southern accent. You do. My, my nickname my nickname in college was Alabama. Wow. Even though I was from Florida, uh, he sends me to Detroit and I'm I'm recruiting all those you know, Ohio and all those places right
0: so you're wearing your <clears throat> University of Kentucky gear Yeah,
1: I walk into Detroit I walk into one of the schools in Detroit I mean it's a nice private school it's a nice mm. Catholic private school and I'm in my coat and tie because back then everybody recruited in a coat and tie this was probably 82 and uh, I go into the front office and I Tell the secretary, I'm Coach Smith from Georgia Tech and uh, I'd like to see your head football coach. And she said, Well, it'll be a while because you wait right here. I said, Yes, ma'am. I got got nowhere to go till I see the head coach. So, about five, six minutes later, about 20 ladies come into the office and they're all just kind of standing there looking at me. And uh, the girl says, Well, how's the weather in Atlanta? I said, well, when I left, you know, it was it was 86 degrees and just a beautiful sunny day. And, well, how'd you get here, Coach? I said, well, I flew. And well, did you, when'd you get here? This asked me all these kind of questions. And finally, I started chuckling. And I said, you just want to hear me talk. <laughs> and that's what she did. She went and got all those people to hear me talk. I it was like country
0: was comes to town.
1: Funny story.
0: They, they wanted to hear you talk.
1: And... Uh, I. I I drove up to a – I got lost. I don't know if I've told you this story, but I drove up to this huge body of water. The road just dead-ended into this huge lake. I mean, it looks like an One ocean. One of the great lakes up there, maybe? It looks like an ocean. Mm-hmm. And when I, man, I'm lost. Right. In Detroit. No cell phone. But as I pull up to this body of water, there's two posts, you know, with a railroad tie across it. And I can see way across the lake. I can see downtown Detroit. So I said, this is a great – this is one of the great lakes. And I'm lost. So I turned around and found a phone booth and called this this head coach uh, at East uh, East Detroit High School. He mm-hmm. told me how to get to his school. So that was – but that was scary. Uh
0: so you had to use a lot of atlases back then, because I, my, my, I guess one of the biggest questions, I guess during the 80s, like when you're sitting in lobbies at schools or somewhere like everybody, when you sit, you can look at stoplights. Now everybody's thumbing through their phone. Yeah. What'd you read, like books or what? I mean, what would you do when you had what? to sit there for 20 minutes or an hour while you were waiting for to talk to people? What, I mean, what, what would you do to pass the time?
1: talk to other people
0: you just sit there and just talk to the secretary you didn't have cell phones right yeah yeah
1: but what i did with kids like if i knew i was going to recruit them when i sat down with them you know i always had a vanilla folder on every kid i'd open that folder up i'd say son here's the high school i drew a circle i said now this is this is north of the school how do i get to your house he said coach go out of the school and you're in front of the school. You take a right. And you stay on that road for so many miles. And then you turn on Northeast Street. You go left. So I drew a map on how to get to his school, uh, to his house from the school. Mm-hmm. Now, the first time I would visit with him at home, I would go to the high school, get my map out. You know, and that's how I would get to their homes. Uh
0: Always a guy charting notes. That's that's that was yeah, the secret. That to you. was it. Building relationships and uh, charting notes, doing things the right way. Uh, recruiting stories with Coach Rick Smith. Coach, before uh, we wrap things up and get out of here, anything else we left off on uh, on a recruiting note that uh, was just one of your favorite memories?
1: I got to tell the Cadillac story. All right, let's hear it. Okay, where again I'm at, Kentucky. And we've hired this new recruiting coordinator who had no idea how to recruit, in my opinion. Uh, I had always recruited the panhandle of Florida where I was from, south Georgia, you know, in south Alabama. Well, this this guy, he says, we're not going to recruit areas. We're just going to send you to recruit positions. So, Rick, you're recruiting wherever we go. Wherever I send you, you're only recruiting defensive backs. I just shook my head. So whatever, you know. Right. Bill Curry's the head coach. If he says do it, I'll do it. <coughs> so they send me to Detroit. No, I'm sorry, they send me to Chicago. I ain't never been to Chicago. I didn't even know where Chicago was. So and and uh, one of our coaches had recruited Chicago a lot, Dave Magazo. Oh, yeah. Damon Magazo's dad. Dave says, Rick, get a inconspicuous car. Get a get a Economy car. You don't want to be noticed. At these schools you're going to be going to. So, I get out off the plane. I go to the desk to get her in a car, you know, and I've already ordered a, an economy car. Right. Well, the guy, the the girl at the desk says, "Well, we didn't have any more economy cars. There's a big, uh, big conference here this weekend. All the cars are gone. But I got you a a Cadillac." I said, "Ma'am, I need a small." <laughs> This is not not this, me. I, I, no, I ain't. Uh, no. She said, well, you can go to all these other car rental places here, but I'm telling you, there are no cars. So I went to two or three more, and they had no cars. So I go back to her, and I get the Cadillac. I walk out to where the Cadillac is. It's a red two-door Cadillac with a white vinyl top. <laughs>
0: You're not you're not uh, inconspicuous that way, huh?
1: And it's got one of those, back then, you know, you could it had a phone in it. Oh, wow. And it was between the two seats, but it, it set up to where you could see it you right. know, if you were standing on the sidewalk. Yeah. You look like James Bond. <clears throat> oh, yeah. So I, I get in the car, I crank it, and I'm pulling out of the gate. You know, and of course, now there's an eight-foot chain-length fence with barbed wire around it because I'm in Detroit. And I pull up to the gate. And there's an elderly gentleman there, and he looks at me and he just smiled. He said, "The Cadillac man." <laughs> I said, "Well, it wasn't my choice." He said, "Well, you be careful, Cadillac man. You're in Detroit.
0: You're in Chicago.
1: Uh, Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah." So I go out and recruit that day, and I come back uh, that afternoon because I got to fly somewhere else. And uh, he said how was it Cadillac man I said well I made it back okay but I can tell you now a couple places I would I remember stopping at a red light at a four-way intersection Mm -hmm. and right beside me on the corner was about 20 people and I honestly thought they were going to shoot me or rob me because it was a bad part of town and the schools I went to I meant the the chain length fence was 10 feet high had barbed wire around it and the sooner i got out of that place right. send me back to the panhandle of florida and south georgia that was
0: that was your honey hole
1: that was my worst week of recruiting in all the years i recruited so i guess chicago and detroit were not your favorite not, my favorite. not your favorite places no, to recruit not the prettiest place i ever went was akron Ohio. oh
0: wow um, i would never guess that. Oh, it was i'd have thought with your years <clears> in the florida area that there would have been a lot more prettier areas near the coast yeah but akron was 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 a good i guess i was shocked right how uh, how nice and i was
1: there in the i was there in the fall all the leaves were changing and Mm -hmm. uh just went up there for one day and saw a couple of kids and flew somewhere else
0: recruiting stories with coach rick smith coach uh thanks for stopping by the pirate radio podcast and uh you got your list there what what else did we miss on on oh we missed a bunch but do we have to come back and do a second episode of, of recruiting stories with coach rick
1: yeah, when I was uh, when you call me, I was with my wife in the car. I just got my two allergy uh-huh. shots, and after you get an allergy shot, you have to wait twenty or thirty minutes. You know, after you get the shot, right? And you call when I was there, so I made some notes on a, <clears throat> on all these stories.
0: Well, save them for next time because we okay. we'll have another pirate radio podcast, more more recruiting stories, uh, maybe more football stories, but uh, a lot of good stuff we covered ground today, uh, Coach. Uh, always appreciate your time and uh what you do here for pirate radio
1: well you know being retired i I can't tell you how much i enjoy doing the radio show because you know i i I watch the games i take notes i kind of I mean, it, it helps me pass the time.
0: Yeah, you're you're definitely a student of the game Amen. still today, yeah. and uh, you like to do things the right way. Thank and you. Uh, we, we appreciate your services, and uh, look forward to having more stories. We'll uh, dive into recruiting again, maybe some other fun topics next time sure. we see you. Right. Coach Rick Smith, thanks for being here. Yes, sir. What a treat it was to go one-on-one with Coach Smith today. Thank you for your time, Coach Smith. Recruiting stories with Coach Smith was so much fun. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. We'll be back very soon with another edition of the Pirate Radio Podcast. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in your Apple Store. Visit our website, pr927fm.com, and to follow us on social media, at pr927fm, to keep up with the latest news and information. Until next time, have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to the Pirate Radio Pirate Radio Podcast, an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation.